0: And welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM.
1: G'day, g'day, g'day. Welcome to the program today. To all our listeners all over Australia, we're so glad you joined
2: us. Are you there, Andrew Hunt? Yes. Thank you, listeners, for joining us. We are very glad you have. Actually, I know you're there because I'm looking at you. I'm staring at you. It's good to be in the same studio again, isn't it? It is good to be in the same studio. flood-isolated or (laughs) COVID-isolated. Well, it's
1: it's been a a nightmare year, and I've been calling this my winter of discontent. (laughs) Yeah, but... I've had COVID, I've been flooded and Flooded twice. (laughs) Yeah. well, March was, the first flood was not really winter, is it? Oh, yeah, good point. Uh, The second one, the winter of my discontent. Uh, (laughs) Everybody seems to be sick with COVID, struggling and battling, and yet most of us, praise God, are surviving. You survived, Hunty. I did. Yeah, although you got pretty sick. (laughs) Yeah, I got COVID again. (laughs) <laughs> you reckon you've had it twice? I've had it twice for sure. Well, we don't know for sure. Well, the sure. test prove I've had it once. Well, yes, you had it
3: once.
2: Did you have it twice? I'm certain of it. Yeah, I wonder if there's any way you can find out. Well, I, lost my t- I even lost my taste, which is one of the clear symptoms for Some the first version that. of COVID. Without
1: being trivial, might be a good thing for both <laughs> can, you and me. I'm made it be tasteless.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I can do that any time. <laughs> oh, we're glad you're here anyway. We are all, so glad. August 2. Yes, what happened? 2022, big day. What happened? Big day in history. Mm-hmm. This one,
1: 1830. Charles X of France, but you've never heard of him. Nope. Abdicated the throne, unable to resist the July Revolution. In some sense, this was the end of, if you heard of this, the French Revolution. Okay. Yeah, Charles X ab- abdicated. I bet you know this guy, Wild Bill Hickok. Heard the name. He's a gunslinger from the Old West. Mm -hmm. In 1876, on August 2, he was murdered in the town of Deadwood. What a name for a town. (laughs) Deadwood. South Dakota. Yep. That was the end of Wild Bill. 1934, August 2, Adolf Hitler, the Chancellor of Germany, became the country's Führer. He actually merged the – those were two different roles before this guy came – before this psychopath hit Germany. Yep. There was a Chancellor – and there was a president and he merged them and he became the Fuhrer. Do you know what Fuhrer no, actually
2: means? No idea.
1: Great leader. Fact was that guy was anything It's an oxymoron? Oh, he was he was anything but a great leader. What a what a cursed man he was and what misery and heartache mm. and mm. death he brought to the world. Indeed. August 2, 1943. Ever heard of PT Boat one oh nine? Is that McHale's navy? No. <laughs> that's a <laughs> <laughs> honey, that's a terrible answer. <laughs> it was John F. Kennedy, who later became the American president. It was his boat. His boat, right. And in 1943, on August 2, Kennedy's boat was sunk by a Japanese destroyer. He ended up on a little island way up in the north of the Solomon Islands. You know what? I've been there. Cool. So him and his man ended up on this island, then marooned until... A couple of indigenous young man boys come along in a canoe. Guess what? What happened? You won't know this. They were Seventh-day Adventist boys. Good on them. They belong to the church I belong to. Yep. And they put John F. Kennedy in their canoe and they rowed him right down to Guadalcanal, many hundreds of kilometres through Japanese infested enemy infested waters, and he was saved. Nice. By a couple of Adventist boys. Not a lot of people realise that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, August 2, 1943. And I, I, I was actually up there. I know you've been, have you been up to, uh, Gizo and round yep. there in yep. the North? Well, it's up there. Okay. Man, if I had a lot of money, I'd actually buy that island and make it a tourist resort and I'd target the Americans. I reckon you'd be a squillionaire. Wow. Um, that sounds fun. August 2, 1949. Comedian Bob Hope. Yep. I know of Bob Hope. He ended up in Hollywood's Presbyterian Hospital as a result of being Bucked off his horse while working on a Hollywood film set. The big deal about it was, though, it wasn't a real horse. It was a fake horse. Oh, dear. He got bucked up, bu- bucked off, ended up in hospital, and died the next day. No. Yeah, very sad. Wow. I didn't realise this one, August 2, 1985, a Delta Airlines jumbo jet crashed and exploded during a sudden and violent thunderstorm on its final approach to Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport, killing as many as 130 people. I didn't That's realise that one. very sad.
2: Yeah, I didn't know we'd lost any
1: jumbos. Mm, well, yeah, we've, we've lost a few. Okay. Mm. Remember Tenerife? Two jumbos. Tenerife, yeah, okay. Oh, 1990, August 2, Iraq invaded Kuwait. Was that when we had all those oil fires? Yeah. Mm. That was massive. remember that. Saddam Hussein it was the end it was the beginning of the end for Saddam Hussein yep. even though he never died for many years later it was the beginning of the end and this last one probably a lot of not of people lot of not a lot of people know about this but on August 2 2016 chemist Ahmed Zawali who in 1999 became the first Egyptian and the first Arab big deal to win a Nobel Peace Prize he died and the category was chemistry he died in Pasadena California so it's a big day okay. This is a big day too. Why? It is. Because we're here with you. Yep. We're going to be worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. We're hoping and praying that you will see him in all his glory and beauty and honor. But to do that, we're going to start with a prayer. Well, hang on.
2: Let me tell our listeners who's coming up in the program. Couldn't we have done that after the prayer? I suppose we could. Who's the handbrake? <laughs> he calls
4: me a handbrake.
2: He calls me a handbrake. Okay. What's well, normally no, the, you that hauls let, us up? Let, let one hand over to the other. Hand over to the other, okay. Well, look, we've got um Harold, our resident historian, and I know his uh, topic's going to be very, very interesting. This one's got a real twist in it. Yes. Uh, yes, it, it really does. That's right. And a will... story is a beauty, and it's got a real twist. And we've got your mate, Colin Raymond. He is a friend of mine. Yeah. 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 Mine too, actually. And he's got a beautiful story. And of, of course, course, I ask the Aussie pastor. Yep, and if we get time, a Bible study.
1: Ah, oh, pray we get time.
2: All right. Hey, there's going to be some beautiful music in between too. We've got plenty of good music as now, well. Can I pray, please?
1: <laughs> Actually, I think you were right, and you had it. You had the timing. You know, you had the program right. I was wrong. Ah, oh, wish the.
2: I wish our listeners. Could, I wish this was a video.
1: <laughs> I'd have to behave but then. They could see how you're playing <laughs> up. You are playing up.
2: That's what I do. Let's pray. Go with your strengths.
1: Father in heaven, you are a good God, and we come here today with joy. Praising your name for life. Things are difficult out there. People are struggling. But still we have you. We will always have you. And I just pray today that your name is going to be lifted high in this program. People will see you, for, and you are, for how beautiful you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This first song. Now... It's called What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Yep. It's a beautiful old song, but I don't know who's singing it. And that's because oh, I could, deleted could, that off the run sheet. Could you answer <laughs> for us,
2: Mr Hunt, why it is that I don't know who's singing it. i tell you, you what, is. listeners, I'll let you know after I play the song who's singing it, all right? <laughs> oh. Are you ready?
0: Yeah, <laughs> Let's, let me it is a
2: beautiful song.
1: Song Absolutely. about how to take your worries and your concerns, your trials and your challenges to Jesus and prayer. It's something we need to practice, Hunty. Yep. But my question to you, my old oh, friend. Here we go. Who
2: sang that? Uh, well, I know who sang that. Do you? But I'll allow you to back announce it. Well, I'm, I'm not sure because you didn't put it on the program. Well, okay, listeners, here's the deal. Uh oh. The Aussie pastor sends me a message on his phone when he thinks of a song. And he normally sends me song uh-oh. and uh-oh. artist. Uh-oh. Oh, <laughs> I've man. been to the video referee, and on this particular song, the Aussie pastor did not send song and artist. So
1: okay, okay, okay. okay. So okay, okay, I'm going to concede that. <laughs> but the producer director, oh, we go, Mr. Andrew Hunt, never came back to me. This is like a pin and tail on the
2: donkey. <laughs> <laughs> on his second check, and said, "Lloyd, what?" Is who is the artist? now, now, now it's my so, turn. I specifically asked the Aussie pastor to check the run sheet before we started, uh, so that pin, tail is pinned back on you, brother. I actually know who sang it. Oh, good. Because I looked it up. While oh, I thank singing. goodness! It's
1: the Fountain View Academy. There you go, listeners. One of
2: Lloyd's favourite. I actually think we probably groups. play these guys more than anybody else. We do. We love them.
1: You know what I said last week, and I, I stand by this. When you're listening to music that's dedicated to Jesus Christ, to God. And you're coming from a secular environment. And I know there's some people, because this radio station hasn't always been Faith FM.
2: That's right. No, in I, Sydney, at least, anyway. No. 88.0. That, that's what I'm talking. Mm. Sorry about Thank you for pulling me up on that. It, it seems
1: I'm making, Always a pleasure.
2: I, 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 <laughs> I'm making some mistakes. It used today. to be called My 88 FM.
1: Yeah, actually, it's a pretty good station, too. With, Absolutely. Yeah, with, 80s music.
2: I love yeah, that. Well, no, it's earlier than that a lot of the time. True. Yeah. True.
1: Um,. And I know some people listen to this station now. Yes. Uh who are used to that eighties music go, ah, that music is a lot different than what we're used to. Well here's the reality.
2: It is different. Positively different. It is a lot different. That's actually our station's slogan. As positively I said, different.
1: I think I said it last week. When I when I came to Christ and man, hunty, I I don't want to go into the music. Because I want to be judgmental, but the music I used to listen to, and this new music I found, Christian music, it, it was so different. Yes. But if you give the music a chance and you give it time, you know what? If you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ and you invited him into your heart and then you had the third person, the Godhead, the Holy Spirit come into your heart, this music can take on a whole new, what's the word, hunty, I'm looking Meaning? For, yeah. Mm. It is. Yep. And so if you're listening to us for the first time, you go, oh, this music's a bit different. Well, it is. Positively but you, different. But if you give it time, it gets into your heart. Yep. And you start. It will to, lift your soul. Yeah, you start to experience spirits. something very special with Jesus Christ.
2: Of course.
1: Okay, news. News time. The only reason I say that, there, there's a handbrake. There we go. What's happening <laughs> now? The only reason I say that is because I, I want to say it again. I know there's a lot of you out there listening to this radio station for the first time. Give it a go. Give it time. Yes. It will. The music will get to you. Yes. The Holy Spirit, God will get to you, and it will change you. Yes. There's great power in what we're doing here. Absolutely. Okay, mate. News. News time. Um, Australia's, I got this one from CNN. Would you believe it? This is on CNN. Mm. Being Being back to us in Australia. That's because good
2: news travels further. This is not good news. I know, right? I reckon that Australia's
1: environment is deteriorating. And there was a report that came out last year that the Coalition, for whatever reason, yes. I'm guessing because <laughs> there was an election coming up, yes. did not release it. That's right. And this report is all bad news about the Australian environment. In fact, the Very Australian bad environment, our coral reefs, our waters, and the destruction of our forests.
2: And the extinction of our marsupials. Of, yeah, mm, mm. species, marsupials, yep. animals. Yep. Is one of the worst in the world. We are leading the world with disaster. In fact, they said on—I think last night I heard on the news. I'm not sure what the time frame is, but they said we have cut down as many trees equivalent to the whole of Tasmania just recently. I
1: find that incredible—that we are one of the worst environmental disasters. Because you, you know, one of the things I love about Australia, living in Sydney, man. Yeah. I'm a Queensland boy. Yeah. But living in the city, Sydney. How many? Four or five million in the sea? I don't know. Five plus. Yeah. Any given day, you can go out where I live in, in um, Riverston, and you can look up to the mountains, and the air is clear. Now, that yes. still doesn't happen in L.A. That's right. I go down to the beach to swim, and the yeah, water is crystal, crystal clear. Clear. Yeah. I don't see, when I'm, in, when I'm in the United States, I'm not picking on the Americans, of course, but when I'm in the United States, remember that national park we went up to to film? Oh, Yosemite. That was no, nice. no, 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 no! Up the back of LA, and we oh went, yeah, and there a was big bear. Rubbish! No, no, that uh, there was another one. It wasn't big bear either, and there was rubbish, rubbish everywhere. Do you rubbish. remember that? Just buckets you, of rubbish. You go to Australia's national parks; they're pristine, clean. clean. Yep here we are getting this report that we are environmentally one one of the worst. What What did you say about
2: clearing of trees? Well, that's what I heard in the news uh, just recently that we've harvested an equivalent area to the inside the entire size of Tasmania. And apparently, that clearing of
1: trees is done legally because okay. it is done in tiny
2: little snippets right. that you don't even have to get permission from the councils to do. Okay, and and. I mean, we've got cats. I mean, a few weeks ago, I remember, we talked about each cat is killing about 115 native marsupials. Not my cat. Each year. Not my cat. One cat on the loose.
1: My cat's on the loose. I don't like my cat.
2: Yours is indoors.
1: It is. Mm -hmm. She is. She never comes out. Uh, as I said, I don't like the cat, but...
2: <laughs> the cat doesn't like you, probably. Oh, <laughs> uh, you can be very sure. Because you're a friend of the dog. The ca- By association, the cat hates I, you. <laughs> I said it
1: before on this program, and I'll say it again. I saved the cat's life twice. At, at personal cost. It, it, at very great personal You've cost. Been at, to emergency. That cat should be most grateful to yes. me, and it's not. That's right. I come home uh, from a trip, so I've been away shooting with you, it doesn't even greet me. If it sees me, it sticks its nose up and walks the other way.
2: You know, we lost a lot of koalas in the latest bushfires. Yeah. And platypuses and uh, what are those animals are going on? bats that go on the ground. We burnt a lot of our precious love
1: Australia, care for your environment. it does matter, it does, and we live in a beautiful country, yep, and this report probably should be alarming
2: to most of us, yep, me too.
1: What about this the world's most powerful passports? Have, I like you, looked, that. have you looked at this this year, or you not know, because I want to ask I've I'm always you considered
2: haven't. that the Australian passport's one of the most powerful in the world. Well,
1: it is, but what do you think's the most powerful? Did you look at it or not? Oh, yeah look at this story ah, yeah, yeah, so you know
2: number one, don't know, yes. Australia. No. Japan. Well, you know what? If I was travelling around the world, I'd be much happier on an Australian passport than a Japanese
1: passport. Well, if you're travelling around the world on a Japanese passport, you could get to 193 different countries. If you're travelling...
2: without a visa? Yep. If
1: you're travelling on an Australian passport, you could only get to
2: 185. But the reason I said Australia is better is... And I have been, I have been pulled over and thrown in jail in Switzerland... And, and rightly so, I might add. And in the Middle East. And when they see your passport's Australian, they go, oh, yeah, he's right, let him go.
1: That's not always the case, actually.
2: No, well, it used to be.
1: Best passports. Want me to read it out Yes, fast? please. Japan number 1 193 destinations yep. Singapore South Korea 2 192 destinations Germany Spain 190 destinations number 3 number 4 Finland Italy Luxembourg would you be little little Luxembourg 189 destinations uh number four uh, number four oh, that is number 4 number 5 Austria Denmark Netherlands Sweden 188 number 6 France Ireland Portugal United Kingdom 187 still no Australia hunty Number seven, this hurts. This really hurts, this one. Oh, dear. Belgium, New Zealand. Oh, dear. Norway, Switzerland, United States, 186. And then comes Australia at number eight, at the back of the field, with Canada, Czech Republic, Greece and Malta, 185 destinations. Hey, what is the worst passport in the world? this? This is kind of sad. 105, number 105 in the world is North Korea. Number 106 is Nepal, Palestine, 107, Somalia, 108, Yemen, 109, Pakistan, 110, Syria, number 111, Iraq, and coming last, 112, and this is sad, Afghanistan. Oh, dear. And they can only get to 27 destinations. Hmm.
3: So
1: they've got Japan, 183 destinations without a visa. Yep. Poor old Afghanistan, who suffered so much. Yep. They can only get to number 27. I thought that was interesting, mm, Very interesting. Last bad news, yep. Paul. Although you couldn't say the passport was bad news. No, well, bad news if you're from Afghanistan or yeah, Pakistan. True, true. Um, What do you think about this one? A million homes around Australia in a rental
2: crisis sit empty. Oh, it really bugs me. Let me tell you, Lloyd. I, there are people in other countries that see the rate that our properties are going up. And if you bought a house in Sydney 18 months ago, it's nearly doubled in price. Mm. And so they're rich people from other countries just investing rich, in property. Oh, rich from other countries, are they? Investing How in sure are you of that? Are you about to contradict me? Yeah. I suspect I'm going down. Most of the people <laughs> who own these homes are not from other
1: countries. They may uh. be doing well, but they're not. And they do two things with them. They either Airbnb them, yep. and there's, I, I hear I've never done it. Well, I've, I've actually used this service, but I've never been the one to... Yep. Uh, Profit from it. I hear that Airbnb is a pretty profitable way to run your extra home okay, or home. Okay. So they Airbnb it or they just leave it empty as a holiday home. holiday. They house. come when they want to. Yeah. I think the tragedy is that there are so many people. There are Australia, there are Australians right now who are living in tents, good Australians who can pay their rent simply because they can't get a rental.
2: There, are, there's a lot of Australians who are currently paying six, $700 a week rent. But the banks won't give them a loan for five hundred dollars a week.
1: Well the reality is in Sydney that the average I know this, the average rental is six hundred and twenty dollars a week oh, and going really? up. And going up. We've <laughs> talked about this on and off we through have. the weeks. Um yeah, so a million homes sit empty. Not sure what we can do about that. I suppose the government could start to tax empty homes. They do that in some countries. Some countries they fine you for having an empty home. Really? Yeah, they do. But in this world, in 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 Australia, in our world anyway, we don't do those sorts of things. But it is a worry when you see more and more Aussies who are who are out of um mm. out of a home. Yep. Ah, uh, good news. Yes. What do you think about this idea of indoor farms, where they go and get warehouses, set up lights? I love it. They're doing it in Hong Kong. In rooftops? Mostly in warehouses. Yeah, it's great. They don't use dirt to plant their plants. No, it's hydroponic. It is. Mm. And they're growing the most beautiful vegetables. They can decide how big they are, what colour they are. They don't have bug problems, there's no pesticides. And they're saying this could be the future. Right. So you've got Hong Kong now, which is just a tiny little place. I've never really been to Hong Kong. I love Hong Kong.
2: Yeah, apparently, there's not a whole lot of room. No, it's jammed. True. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: it's interesting to me that they're growing now 15% of their food. That's great. In these warehouses where they stack the plants, one on On top of each other, yep. Sometimes up to four or five stories high in huge warehouses. 15% Fifteen percent of the food is being produced like this. It's, it's just a good news story. Do you reckon that could be the? Yeah, it is, isn't it? Could that Absolutely. be the answer to the problems the world faces? Well, when it if comes we could grow food? food
2: locally, we'd save a lot of diesel moving food around. I wonder whether that food's as good for you as the food grown in the ground from the farm. Yes, what's in the hydroponic juice? I don't know. Mm. Do you know that? I don't know the answer to that. It's the perfect balance Maybe of chemicals and nutrients does. to um, if, if, feed if you, the plants. Yeah, if you know mm. the answer, that hydroponic or naturally that, grown, that and water. Which is the best. Maybe you could contact Yeah, him. send us a, a text or an email. And also, let me give no, a no, quote no, no, for no, us. don't go there. No, no, no. no, no I don't even want to go there. Well, let's stay focused. <laughs> I don't want to stay focused. <laughs> I
1: want you to stay focused. If you know whether hydroponic or growing in the dirt
2: is better on yep. the farm, so yep. hydroponic or on the farm, text us what's the number. Yes, uh, text us on 0488 or send us an email, info at aussiepastor.com. Maybe there's
1: a farmer out there, Hunty, who yep, can let us that. know
2: and we will read it out later. I'd be
1: really very interested in that. Yes, please. So look, there's the news today. Uh, if it's bad news, you know the gig, Hunty. Yeah, if absolutely. it's bad news, mm. Jesus, you. he will walk with you through it, he will see you through it, and he'll come again. If it's good news... Praise God. Amen. Good news, praise God. Bad news, remember Jesus is with you. Look up to the east because soon he's coming back. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This next song from Anthem Lights, well done, Hunty. You got the name of this. <laughs> you like that? Here we go. Even though it's my, though it's my fault, I'm trying <laughs> post to leave, dig. Love I'm it. trying to lead the listeners astray. <laughs> well done, Hunty. You got the you got the the singers' the up song there. and artist <laughs> <laughs> Anthem Lights, and they're singing this. This is a
2: beautiful song. We sing this at New Hope too. By the way, if you want to come to New Hope Church
3: this yes, Saturday, yes,
2: come ten o'clock Saturdays. Yeah, goodbye Samuel Place it still behind the Aldi in the Life Anglican Church. Good Bible study, good singing, good worship. Great fellowship lunch. Bible, Bible based preaching. Beautiful fellowship and lunch. If you stick with us
1: <laughs> after church, yeah. Vegetarian fellowship lunch. Yep. Hey, we've even started at church hunting to give hot drinks. We've never done that before. I know, it's a new feature. I wonder if it'll be there this week. I hope so. I hope so. I had one. Actually,
2: I did two last week. When I first it's came, nice. I had
1: a decaf coffee. Yum. And then I had a meeting after church. <laughs> One of my elders, the head elder actually, was it the head elder? I can't remember. It was Wayne Boehm. Uh-huh. Goes and
2: gets me a hot. Cup of water.
1: There was no Milo. There was no chocolate. And there was no decaf. Think of the
2: benefits: no calories, no caffeine. I, I think that might
1: have been in his head. But anyway, we sing this child. We sing this song at church all the time. It's a very moving song about Jesus and how much we love Him. But more than that, how much He loves us. It's from Anthem: "Lights, My Jesus, I love Thee." My.
3: Jesus. I love thee I know Thou art mine For thee all is now
1: to the show today. Welcome, Harold. Are you there?
5: Yes, I'm here, and it's good to be with you again.
1: Today's story is a beauty, isn't it?
5: Oh, it's fantastic. Wait till you go through it.
1: You know what I like about this one? It's got a nice little twist in it. In fact, when you sent it to me, because just so our listeners know, and, Hunty, it's Harold that puts all these yes. stories. It's not coming yes, from me. Yes, he's our researcher. I, well, he's our res- As I said last time, yes. this is our resident historian. Absolutely. I, I have no idea who these guys are. I've never, and, and I actually am a bit of a Protestant Reformation buff.
2: I'm loving this segment because I know nothing about these guys.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm a guy, actually, who who read The, the couple of books I've read, uh, which are very important to me... Um, Great controversy. Have you read that story, Harold?
5: That's a great book.
1: It is a good book. In fact, we should give that a book away around, uh, sometime, Auntie. We should. It's a beauty, and and I've also read a couple of more books on the Reformation, pretty famous ones. Which um, I, I even get into. Have you ever read the? I don't suppose you've read it cover to cover, Harold. But have you ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs?
5: I haven't read it cover to cover. But I've read a lot of it.
1: I've got a second edition of that. Can you believe that? Wow. I've got a second edition of Fox's Book of Martyrs. It would be...
2: Do you still have it? Yeah, I do. So one of the books that survived the flood? You know what? This book
1: is so precious because it's it's, it's hundreds of years old. I'm trying to remember. It'd be 150 or more years old. I actually took it... From my farm, which flooded, Hunty. Okay. I took it home. I took three or four of these old books home and I've got them in a special place. So they're in the dark and they're, they're dry and they're, but this is a very special book of mine that I've got Fox's book of martyrs. Um, and there's a couple of other really great classics out there about the Reformation. And I've read them, but, but even so, I think Harold is taking us to a place that even some of these books don't go to. Right. Have you ever thought of writing a book? Harold, on all these men and women that you... I'm, I'm serious, because I know you can write. You, you are a published well, author.
5: Um, have you ever I, thought I've of... I've written 70, art, 70 articles in magazines, but on top of that, I've researched 195 of these people and people groups and so on.
1: Have you ever thought of writing a book?
5: I get too busy with other things at the moment, but it would be <laughs> fantastic to do it. I'd
1: encourage you because I I think when we write books, it's a legacy almost that lives beyond us, isn't it? Yep. Um, Yes. And you've got a wealth of knowledge over... How many years, again, have you been studying the lives of... Most of your life, really, or...? I've
5: been doing this for about 30, 40 years.
1: Even before that, though, you would have been reading... Before that,
5: I was fascinated in history and geography and where these things took place.
1: Did you ever do a degree
5: in history and... Yep, and then religious history just has taken over in the last few years.
1: And your your centre of study would be Reformation history primarily, would that be right?
5: Primarily, but I was also interested in, in Israel, where the things happened in the time of Jesus and what happened there.
1: So you've got those two central focuses in your study, yep. Reformation and the times of Jesus. Yep. Actually, we know that, Hunty, because we we've do. mentioned it before. We yep. went on the most majestic, <sighs> magnificent filming trip. S- best experience of my life. Uh, we're supposed to go back there this year, Harold. We were. I don't know what's going to yeah, happen. Got if uh a lot of things. If we're to go there this year, Hunty, we would need a miracle in the next, a financial. A financial miracle. <laughs> it's been a real hard hit on us, Harold, when we got our studio yeah. taken out. Um, Just lost everything. Yes. We did. We lost everything, and we're trying to we're get still that trying back to figure out together. how to
2: get that back together. Yeah. A lot
1: of the money we had earmarked for that trip over to film some more stories from the land of Jesus, but you just don't know. But the Lord will have to work a miracle real soon, Auntie. I know, right? <laughs> well, we'll be in Australia, but Lord, the Lord's got His ways, and um, just have to see what happens. Harold, we're going to talk about a guy today called William Brewster. What a story!
5: A great guy, and. Uh, Actually, you know, you talk about William Brewster. He was born in 1566 in the time of Queen Elizabeth I. We're in the time of Queen Elizabeth II. But this is going right back. So this was 450 years ago.
1: Yeah, it's an old story. Actually, you say we're in the time of Queen Elizabeth II. We're about to be in the time of King Charles the, what would he be? Third. 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 Okay. I like Queen Elizabeth II. I actually am quite a fan of hers. I'd be very, very sorry when she mm, goes. Me too. <laughs> Better not get into that on this show, honey, but <laughs> no. I think the Republican movement's gonna get a big boost when
2: Yes she when she departs. Yeah. Well,
1: mm. She's been a noble queen, yes. whether you're a monarchist or not. Yep. She's really served well, hasn't she, through the years. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's get back to William Brewster. When was well you you kind of gave us the answer, but I'm gonna go back there again. When when was William born and where was he brought up?
5: 1566, the place where he was born is Doncaster in Yorkshire. And uh, on that time, there was a road that led them from London right up into Edinburgh. It was called the Great North Road. And he was brought up at Scrooby, which is about halfway up in Britain.
1: So headed north. Yeah. That Great North Road is still there, by the way, isn't it? It is. Would that be the freeway now that... Heads north?
4: Uh,
5: or? Uh, the, the little village of Scrooby is just off the freeway a bit, but the freeway has taken the, the road straight through. But Scrooby was his place.
1: Have you been there?
5: Yes, I have.
1: Just a quaint little English village?
5: It is, and across the paddy you can see the uh, place, the house that he lived in, actually.
1: Uh, so he's he's known in the area still?
5: Well, his his history. Those who know history knows that he was came from there. yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Do we know much about his family and his upbringing?
5: Well, his father was the master of the Queen's Post. In other words, he was the postmaster for that area, and he was a bailiff for the Archbishop of York. So his father was a very prominent guy.
1: So he would have been a wealthy family, or a
5: well, uh, uh, fairly well-to-do. If you had those posts, okay, and. Uh, and so his father, because he was so well-to-do, he sent young William off to Cambridge University.
1: So he was well-educated. He, he,
5: he was. To go to university in those days, they did their degrees and more, even more than some of what we do today.
1: Now, I love this about universities back then because it seems to me that the universities were a a central focus to God, to Jesus, and he worked in these universities to advance his cause. I wish that would still happen today, Harold. In fact, I'm I'm wondering whether we'll see a movement in the universities among the young people of the world for Jesus before we see him come because back then it was the young people in these universities who rose for Christ, correct? Correct. And
5: Cambridge University was the centre of that. We've talked about it with John Wesley yep. and the group that met there. And this guy, William Brewster, he was attracted by a group of others who had the same sort of feeling and they really wanted the scriptures and they studied it.
1: So he gets caught up for a Protestant group at university. He joins yep. in with them. They have an impact. Would it be fair to say this is where he met Jesus as his personal saviour? For sure. He
5: would have really been completely committed to Jesus from this study. And
1: he's young. I think we've got to remember that. This guy's young. Yep. After he graduates from university, well-educated, brought up in a good family, where did he work?
5: Well, he went to work for a guy called William Davison. He was a minister at Queen Elizabeth's Court. This guy was only something like, Seventeen at the time, wow. he went to work in the court.
1: This is this is a bit clandestine here. He goes on a secret mission, I think, with his boss to to Holland. Is that right? What was that about? Have I have I questioned that right? Or
5: that's correct. For some reason, it was a a mission of state that Queen Elizabeth would have said, "You go over there." And William Davison went across to Holland and took young uh, William Brewster with him. So he's been on these things uh, and went into into country, to Netherlands
1: for that. So as a young man, he really is walking up in the clouds with some really important people, not far from the Queen herself.
5: That's right,
1: yep. Okay, he gets back to England and he gets an important job, so it's almost like he's moving up the ranks. What was the job, how, how did it happen, and, and how did he get into it?
5: Well, his father died. Remember, his father was the master of the Queen's Post. And when he dies, Davison is able to make young William Brewster the master of posts at Scrooby. And so he would have not only had the males, but probably all the post horses that used to come and go north and south all the time. And that was a pretty important task.
1: So he's, he's, he's kind of moving up through the ranks here. Uh, things are looking good now. Let's have a look at England herself. Was there a law that you had to attend church in England? This might sound strange to our listeners, but was there a law that you had to attend church in England at the time?
5: Absolutely. In fact, there was a very harsh penalty. If you were not seen going to church, uh, at the local parish church each Sunday morning, you were, uh, you were in for it and you would be penalised and would have to pay a great fine.
1: Hey, hunty, that might not be a bad thing for us today. That'd fill up our church, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I have. We have trouble, and I say this very carefully, but I think most churches have trouble... Get, we have two Cold, services. rainy
2: days, we school holidays. There's
1: yeah, two worship services. <laughs> yep. 10 o'clock clock, on the 11.15. 11.15 is always really well attended. It is well attended. But the 10 o'clock one's a bit of a struggle. Perhaps, Harold, we should bring in Just a law with a a fine. A fine. Yep. <laughs> I don't think that will <laughs> work. Payable to me,
5: <laughs> remember, remember God doesn't force.
1: That's right. And that's <laughs> central to this story. Actually, we've got to remember that when we're talking to people about being on time for church too. God doesn't force. That's right. You're going to come to church? It's always been you come because you love him. His arms because are wide to spend open. spend time yep. with his fellow believers worshipping. It is a great, great honour, I reckon. It is. And a privilege to be able to worship in freedom like we do today, at, uh, Harold. Um, how did William feel about this law? Even though he is deeply committed to Jesus Christ, it, it seems that there's a bit of a conflict going on here in his heart. It's almost like he gets... That you serve Jesus through love and you will go because you love, not because you're forced. Am I right?
5: Correct. Just like the covenants in Scotland were forced and they rebelled, this guy, William Brewster, finds a few others of the similar meeting, a similar idea, and they met with him in his house, the Scooby Manor and so they would have preachers come and, and preach to them in, their, in this house week by week.
1: Do we know who these people are that were influencing him? Did their names come through, or are
5: they just... Yeah, John, John Smith was one. Another place were the Hickmans, and Smith left for Holland with a group of separatists because they found religious freedom over there. And Richard Clifton was another one. In fact, they made Richard Clifton their pastor. And young William Brewster is made the elder of this group.
1: And this is a secret church? Yes. Wow. And and all the time the noose is tightening. Is that correct on these guys?
5: That's correct. In fact, another name, William Bradford, we might come across that later. He was another one who worshipped there. And a John Robinson we'll come across him again too.
1: Okay. And these guys were all very important in the burgeoning movement of freedom of faith in England. That would be fair to say that, wouldn't
5: it? Right.
1: Funny how God brings all these men and women together at these crucial times to support each other in his cause, isn't it?
5: This group of people called themselves the separatists. They didn't want to be with the organized church. They called them separatists. But the authorities said, "Your are dissidents.
4: Yeah.
1: We know the noose is tightening because he has a, has a daughter around this time. What did he call her?
5: Well, how would you be, if you called your daughter this, he called her fear. Now, he'd had another one, patience, before that. But because of this um, tension that was coming on by the authorities, he called his daughter fear. How, wow. you,
1: how how do you think your daughter would have liked being named That Hunty Fear? <laughs> yeah, she would not be impressed. <laughs> it almost reminds me of that guy in the Bible, what was it Hosea who named his kids after the yeah. La Ruma yep. and some of those, which was, which was de- describing yep. the times that he was living through. Maybe we've got a modern yep. day Hosea here. Um, now th- things get pretty serious because in sixteen hundred and seven he had to resign his post, which was a, as you've already shared with us, a very important, uh, prestigious job. Why was that?
5: Well, he was the he was the big man of the area, but because he was continually with the separatists or the dissidents. He was now brought to court on that.
1: And he was. I think it's fair to say um, that you get a sense of how serious this was and the fact that not only did he lose his job, but he was given a fairly large fine.
5: Is that correct? £20 back in 1607, that would be, I don't know, two or $300 or more today. That would have been a massive fine. And the reason was, he was called being disobedient in matters of religion,
1: and we think a fine, oh, big deal. That's not that's not too bad. Even two or three hundred dollars, he can pay that off. But the reality is, at the same time, Harold, one of his friends was actually executed for similar crimes against the state. Is that so? His life is at risk here. Am, am I reading that right?
5: That's correct. In fact. When his his friend John Penry is sentenced to be hung for this, he says, I better get out of it. And so he said, For the sake of conscience and religious views, he was with the group who arranged to go across to Holland.
1: So he tries to escape but it doesn't go too too well. What
5: happens? Well, it was they went down to a place in England called Boston. Over in America, that's the name there comes from the one in England, mm-hmm. and they hired this English, this Dutch ship, and he sailed up the river. And as soon as they got on board, the captain had notified the authorities, and the soldiers came on and put them all in court. So imprisoned them.
1: So he was in prison, but God must have been in this because he really didn't stay in prison too long. He gets out of prison and he attempts to flee again, and and his second attempt doesn't go well either. Is that correct?
5: That's correct. I'd like to take you to that place, Boston, and take you to the the, the moot hall where he was in prison, and he'd climb up the steps to the court. But finally, they're all freed, and they go north to the Humber River, and they try and do it again. And the captain said, men go first. And so in this muddy river, the boats got stuck in the mud and they had to wait for the tide and finally the men get on and just then a company of soldiers turn up with weapons oh, and the dear. Dutch captain says anchors up, sail away and they left the wives and children and the guys are on their way to Holland
4: oh dear,
1: auntie. That's, that's something oh, I know I, it I, I wasn't on purpose but usually we'd go the other way around By the way, uh, Harold, I hope we get to England in the not-too-distant future and are able to film this story and go where you just shared with us because it'll be a very exciting story. And we're about to get to the twist here, and it is some twist. He flees to Holland, to the Netherlands, I guess, and that seems to be a bastion of Protestant freedom at the time. Am I seeing that right? That's
5: right. They get to Amsterdam. In fact, there's the Pilgrim's Church in Amsterdam that you'd want to see. Uh, but the group of them left Amsterdam and went down to a town called Leiden. And there they built their place. John Robinson <clears throat> was with Brewster and the other guys, and they started a little print shop there. And over in Holland, they had more religious freedom, and they were starting to print uh, books and pamphlets and worship as they wanted to.
1: Did they send those books and pamphlets back to England?
5: Yes, they did. They wrote the book, the Perth Assembly. It was smuggled back into Scotland. The news came to the ears of the king and orders were given over to Holland, grab these guys.
1: Okay, now just and before so, before you go on with that, did they get their families eventually to join them in Holland? Yes, they did. Okay, they so,
5: came over the, by the next year.
1: So the king says, grab these guys. What happens?
5: Well, as they come in, they say, Hello, religious liberty is getting scarce here. We'll have to go to a place that's completely no pope, no king. And they said, "We'll go
1: to." And this is Where? the twist. Where did they go? I love this. This is the twist. I never expected they, this when I read this story.
5: They left uh, Holland and joined up in in England. In firstly in London, then in Plymouth. In a ship called the Mayflower, Wow. and Bruce sails with his wife and two sons, and they sail to Cape Cod in America, and they are known over there as the Pilgrim Fathers. Wow.
1: This puts the hair up on the back. Yeah, of me the neck. too. Wow, this is the beginning of contemporary modern day America, founded on these Protestant dissidents who love christ and were looking for freedom so they could worship him without any state interference wonderful story so they get to america do we know much about what happened to uh brewster after he and his family and these really motley crew make it to america because i know things were really hard those first few years
5: brewster is made the senior elder of the colony and they served as their religious leader and advisor, and the governor was another one of their guys, William Bradford. And so these these pilgrim fathers, the Puritans, the separatists, the dissidents, whatever you like, came to a place where they could worship God, study the scriptures, and preach without any interference of state or pope. No pope, no king. This is where we can serve God.
1: Land of liberty and freedom. Yeah. interesting thing is, if you study your history, the Pilgrim Fathers had a fairly good relationship with the indigenous Indians, and it was the Indians, I think, in the second uh, winter that, that saved their lives over there. Quite miraculous wow. story. We may look at that another time. Um, when did he die and where was he buried? Well, he died in
5: 1644, probably buried there at Plymouth, Uh, We don't actually know where it was, but his name lives on in Boston Harbour with some of the islands being called Brewster.
1: Yeah. So here you have the story, and it's a wonderful story, of one of the pilgrim fathers, the backstory, not a story we hear often. Do you think, Harold, when you look at his life and his story, we can learn anything about that today?
5: Well, again, the thing that shines out, he loved the Lord, He loved the the Bible, he studied and he preached it and he lived what he read. He lived the sermon that he preached to others.
1: It's consistent what you say every week about these guys. They had a close relationship with their Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that America grew into being the, I think unquestionably, the greatest nation in the world because their foundations were rooted in these men and women who love yeah. Jesus Christ more than they were yep. afraid that yep. they take it to the death. To
2: sacrifice it all.
1: Everything. And and I think if you wanted to see America ever return to its glory, they would need to look at the faith of their founding fathers. Wow. Because they've drifted far, far from that, Harold. And I think that's one of the reasons they struggle. Um, That's right Look, thank you very much Another fantastic story You enjoy that one, Hunty?
2: How's it, Ripper? Did you like the twist? I love the twist
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a clue we were going there and I, I really—I suppose because I'm into history I, I really enjoyed that Thank you, Harold Thank you, mate You're See
5: you See you next time
1: See ya You're listening to the
0: Aussie Pastor Here on Faith FM
1: Fantastic story, Hunty Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic, fantastic. I I just didn't know about that twist, and I I really enjoyed it, to be honest, as I was getting ready for this interview. This next song, I mean, these people we talk about who give their hearts, their lives and everything to Jesus, when they get to heaven, when they first see Jesus when he comes, resurrection, what a day that will be. And these three young people, Annie, Melita and Vaughn, are three Adventists, young Adventist Filipinos, and they sing this old, grand old hymn. They sing it
4: beautifully.
1: song but What a uh, great song
2: Uh oh <laughs> <Uh-oh>, indeed Uh oh <laughs> Set one to the other awesome faster I
1: <laughs> I am I stand uh, Corrected <laughs> Very corrected I I announced the wrong song It happens <laughs> uh, Live radio What do you do Hunty I'm trying to think How can I get out of this and
2: I Well see. I tell you what. When we go to actually play the song you announced we'll know it's already been promoted <laughs> Oh dear <laughs> Anyway it's now time for my favourite segment
1: Yeah, I'm still feeling bad about that.
2: That's good. The the
1: song actually was, can I, can I say this? The song was on a hill far away by one of my favorite groups and I play these guys a lot. The, I'll make sure I get this right. Redeemed Quartet. They have tight harmonies. Those guys, Hunty. Yeah, real tight. Yeah. They're oh, very I, talented. How could I announce the wrong song? It <laughs> happens. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't be being merciful like that on you. Wouldn't you, Just? Oh, he's very gracious, this guy, <laughs> listeners. Very gracious. I love you at the moment, Hunter. Oh, no, it's good. Okay.
2: All right. Ask the Aussie Pastor. All right. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yes, these questions are going to test you. Here we go. These Are, are these from. I think these are all from the same person, actually. Yeah, you th- It's not often you'll give me a
1: hint of what's coming, but mm. just so our listeners know, you did share this with me. I did. what we're about to look at is very sensitive. Yep. Uh, I don't shy away from these sorts of questions because I think it's very much relevant and it's out there in our community, but I'm very careful and respectful yep. because we're dealing with people. These are good questions In, f- too. in fact, we're always dealing with people. Yep. Okay, hunty, let's go.
2: Why does the church seem to single out LGBT sins while ignoring others.
1: So we've got five questions on LGBT today.
2: Uh, Yep. In a row. Yep. Look, if it's not even LGBT, it's LGBTQI mm. something. Anyway, it's the whole group.
1: The church, you know, I can only talk for the Adventist church, but I think I can talk generally for Christianity, for Protestantism anyway. We are a people of the Bible and the Bible alone. And the Bible will sometimes sting you with what it's got to say, Hunty. Mm -hmm. Sting me all the time. And one of the areas that stung me on when I was coming to Jesus was my, how could I put it, um, my choices of lifestyle. I was never LGBT. But I was certainly living outside the biblical parameters of what God. Promotes and advances and advises us us for when it comes to our sexuality. Um, I, I had a girlfriend and was living outside the confines of marriage, not proud to say that. Um, one of the things I noticed was, and I'm being very careful here, Hunty, when I was coming back back to the Lord Jesus, and I still feel this at times sometimes, you know, as I'm reading my Bible and watching it, almost seems like God is targeting me. Does that make
2: sense? Yes, obviously? yes.
1: And I'll come out of a program where I feel God's been targeting me, and i look across to my wife, Liz, and I'll say, oh, that guy, he was going straight at me there, and she'll look at me with this strange look on her face and go, yep. well, no, you're not. No, no No, no. he wasn't. Obviously, what was happening was God was talking to me. Correct. And he goes past all my defences and straight down into my heart. And sometimes I, sometimes I don't get that it's God, and I, and I, and I put that on the somebody else. Now, yep. sometimes there are churches in the past that do, especially in the past, that do and have purposefully targeted LGBT people. There's no doubt about that. While ignoring a host of other sins in their own lives and their own churches. Yep. We've seen that. I don't think the church does that so
2: much these days. Do you, Hunty? I I know if you're a member of that group, you will feel it. If you are a member
1: of any group that's living outside the parameters of Scripture, you're going to feel it if you're coming to Christ or you're within his environment. You're going to feel it. And that's my point. Mm -hmm. The Bible talks about LGBT behavior. And the Bible prohibits it. But the Bible prohibits, and this is what we've got to get clear, hunty, it prohibits any sexual activity outside the marriage covenant between a man and a woman. So it pretty much prohibits most everything that's being done out there today, hunty. I mean, if you look at Australia, our own Prime Minister Lives outside, and I'm not not accusing the prime minister, of not judging him, but he lives outside that marriage covenant. I lived outside that marriage covenant. That God said that is the only place sexual relations can occur. Let, let me
2: point out, listeners, that was before the Aussie pastor became the Aussie pastor.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah. Well,
2: no, I don't live outside it now.
1: I'm mm. I'm married to a to a single woman. When I say single, <laughs> she's married now. One single, <laughs> one woman. <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I think sometimes. In the past, I would acknowledge, yeah, perhaps a church did target specifically LGBT while ignoring other uh, sexual predilections. But I'm not so sure that it does now, Hunty. I, I mean, I, I'm a pastor of a church. I've, well, got, this I've got people in my church that are LGBT. We don't target. This
2: next them. question will tease you out your first question. Okay. Why do some churches accept LGBTQI clergy? and members while others don't?
1: Uh, Simply because some churches adhere, and the Adventist church is one of these churches, more closely to the Bible than others. It is as simple as that. I mean, the Bible prohibits LGBT behaviour. That's not a personal view of mine. It's just simply what the Bible says. Now, some people will argue that, and they do, and they will try to show that the Bible doesn't prohibit it. But I think a fair reading of the Bible... By anyone says that it, it does, um, and that that simply is the reason. Some pe- some, some churches uh, adhere very strictly to the Bible, and yep. it's and it's what it has to say on sexuality, not just in LGBT hunting, in everything. When it comes to sexual uh, practices. And again, the Bible's very clear. So, so for me, I, I don't get so much into what the Bible says negatively about sexual behavior. I look at what the Bible says positively about it. Does that make sense? Yep. And to me, the Bible is very positive about... Sexuality, But God says, this is not Lloyd, this is not my view, this is what the Bible says, and as Christians we believe it's what God says, that all sexual behaviour must be within the confines of a marriage between a man and a woman. That's it. I mean, you can argue that, you don't have to believe that, and I respect that actually, Auntie. Yep. You don't even have to practice that. I respect that. That's how you feel. But I think you've got to acknowledge it's not what the Bible says, and it's just a fact in the Christian movement, that there are some churches, it's not just on sexual behavior and a whole host of other things too, that do not stick that closely to what the Scripture says. And I suppose when you choose a church, you've got to choose a church that's either in that direction where the Bible doesn't matter that much or you choose a church where the Bible matters a whole lot. I'd advise you to choose a church where the Bible matters a whole lot. The Bible will tell you stuff. It'll sting, man. Man, it stings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been stung by the Bible and still do at times. Mm-hmm. It gives me, me too. It gives me a direction. I don't want to take. Yep. But I take it in faith. Yep. It always works out in the long run, even though it's easy. So, so that's why you have Christian churches with different views on
2: this particular subject.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Okay. All right. Why do LGBTQI people often feel so unwelcome in Christian churches? Oh, because some Christian churches are unwelcoming.
1: What else can Mm. I say? Mm. Uh, Also, again, so, so there is that factor. There are some Christian churches that are not welcoming LGBT people. I mean, let's be honest, let's be open, that's a fact. But there's also the reality, and I experienced this myself, that when you come into Jesus and he points things out to you, it's not necessarily that the church or the people in it are are making you feel unwelcome. It's the message itself that makes you feel unwelcome. You see, Jesus calls us to change, and it's not easy. The changes that Jesus takes us on often hurt big time. And there's nothing that hurts more when he's changing you through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful experience. But it's painful when he's changing you in areas of what you feel are your identity, how you are, who you are, even how you are, you may feel you are born. But he changes you and he changes you and, and you change by looking at him. Does that make sense? And that will make you feel uncomfortable and that will make you feel, uh, at sometimes, uh, I guess unwelcome. So I think there's there's two aspects. Some yep. Christian churches are unwelcome of LGBT. Others are not. It's just the message that can make you feel on edge.
4: Hmm.
2: All right, question four. Is there a place for LGBT people in the church? Is there a place for you? Yes. Are you a sinner? I'm a sinner. Is there a place for me?
1: Yes. Of course there is. Hmm. There is. There's a place in my church there's a place in every church, not just for LGBT people, but for everybody. Jesus loves people. It doesn't mean that Jesus leaves us where we are when he first comes to us he changes us hunty I think that's the thing that's lost in this discussion is that when you come to Jesus Christ he will change you the, ch- the change will be powerful it can be painful and it is beautiful and Jesus changes us I don't care who you are I don't care in the end what your sexual uh uh um what your sexual persuasion is I don't care where you come from I don't care what you've experienced it doesn't matter who you are if you're a human being and you come to Jesus Christ make no mistake and the Holy Spirit gets inside of you you will change and it's not a change that comes about by people it's not a change that comes about by the church it's not a change that comes about by anything else and anything other than the Holy Spirit inside of you it is intimate it's often just between you and God and he changes you um But while people are changing, they're always welcome in the church, and God changes people in different ways. He has different timing for everybody. Uh, We're all at a different place. We're all changing. Hunty, are you changing right now? Yep. I'm changing. I'm changing hugely. I'm going through some massive things with the Holy Spirit and God right now, but I'm changing. But while I'm changing, I would hope and pray that I'm in a church that will be tolerant Loving, gracious, Mm. and merciful to me Mm. through my battles, through my failures. I hope and pray I've got a church that will stand by me in my failures and will rejoice with me in my victories that will come through Jesus Christ. Okay. So 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 is there a place for LGBT people in the church? There certainly is in mine. And uh, if there's not in a church you're attending, go and find another one.
2: All right. Well, that leads into this last question, question five. Will the church accept a practicing LGBT person into active membership? That's the hardest question of all, isn't it? Because mm. um, if question four is yes, there's a place for LGBTQA in the church. Will the church accept a practicing?
1: Well, in my church, uh, I would say that 40% of the people who come, who attend, and I've, I, I'm just guessing. Yep. Uh, who worship with us in what we call our Sabbath school, which is like Sunday school. Ten o'clock, yep. Ten o'clock, who worship with us in our church service, who who come and then and enjoy fellowship lunch with us. Forty percent of them are not what I would call active members. They're not on the books.
2: Right, so not baptized but they are active members. Well they might be baptized, True. but they're
1: not on our books. Yep. But they are still counted as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think we get this is not a way of getting out of this, hunty. I think we get hung up on membership a little bit. Yep. Membership is not a, a pathway into heaven. No. You're saved by grace through Jesus and Christ. That's it. But the church does have parameters. And I don't think there's anything wrong with this. And what they will accept are uh, it's standards. It's it, it 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 goes back to our beliefs in scripture and the Bible. It has parameters of what a Seventh-day Adventist Christian would be and a Seventh-day Adventist Christian to be a member would live within the parameters of what God defines as allowable for sexual activity and that again I go back to it the Bible clearly teaches and advances that all sexual activity can only occur within the confines of a marriage between one man and one woman Now there are people who want to argue with me on that, that's fine I'm happy to sit down and do a Bible study with you on it The Bible's clear, I I mean, I've been studying it for 32 years It's clear what is acceptable and what isn't to God when it comes to sexual behaviour By the way, Hunty, our sexual behaviour, whether it's in the parameters of uh, hetero or, or homosexual is causing more damage to us than just about, this is my view, than just about any other thing. The moment we step outside God's parameters, we're in trouble. Um, and so yeah, the, the church does have a certain standard for membership as just, a, just about every organization on the planet, Hunty. Um, but I don't think we should confuse that with fellowship. Yep. Does that make sense? Got it. of my, I want to say it again, 40% or more of the people who attend my church Mm. are not members. members. They're brothers and sisters who worship with us as family. Does that make sense? It does. Wow. And I hope that that comes out. This is a difficult, are there any more questions?
2: No, that brings this segment. This is is
1: probably the most difficult segment we've done. Mm. Um, And I don't know whether I've answered as well as I could. Well, no next week. We, we put out what it's, uh, this, this sort of subject's never about popular opinion. Mm. It's about sharing God in a constructive, merciful, gracious way, showing a God who's tolerant, who will work with us and through us with our experiences, with our identity, with our struggles and our challenges, who never, who never gives up on us. Mm. He always loves us, hunty. Have you yep. noticed that? Always. He will love you. Mm. He will love you unendingly.
4: He I'm, will love I'm you. proof of that.
1: You know what? If you're out there and, and, and you're living in that LGBT world, God will love you. He will love you when your family doesn't love you. He will love you and accept you when your church doesn't love you. And he will work with you and never give up on you when everybody else has. And, and, I, and that's, the, that's the sort of God I want our LGBT brothers and sisters to see. I don't want them to see a condemning God who wants to hurt them. It's quite the opposite. This is a God who loves you. And yes, I concede that many of our LGBT brothers may have had struggles with the church itself in the past, and I can't guarantee they're not going to have struggles now and not be challenged in the future. But as you work through this in your life with Jesus Christ, if you listen to Jesus, if you let, if you pray for the Holy Spirit to come into your heart, He will show you the road to walk. It won't be the church, it won't be the pastor, it won't be your parents, it won't be anybody else but God. And if you can go to the Bible and find God, God will find you, He's waiting there for you. And you go with God on that journey, I can guarantee you good things. And when Jesus comes, He'll be coming for you. God bless you. This is a big thing. Mm. Many of my friends, even family are challenged in this area. I hope and pray that what I've shared with you today has brought you hope, um, in Jesus Christ because that's where, that's where we all must go when we need hope.
0: You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM.
1: now it's the song "What a Day That Will Be," <laughs> and I chose this song because I think with the challenges we all we, we all challenged, Hunty, Yep. One way or another, you and me, we've we've had. Big challenges in the areas of our sexuality, different than our LGBT brothers and sisters. But we've had, we've talked yep. about it. Yep, huge, huge challenges, which have uh, you can only look up and say, "Jesus, come soon," and when you do, through your grace and your mercy, come from, come for me. Mm. And again, this is what this. Sorry, I got it wrong the first <laughs> time. This is what these three Adventist young people, uh, Annie, Melita and Vaughn are singing about. This talking about Jesus coming back for you, who he loves. Raymond to our program today. He's an old friend of mine. We've worked together uh, in the local church. And now, Colin, are you there? Yes,
6: I'm here, Lloyd. Glad to be
1: here with you. Yeah, glad to have you on board. Uh, before we go too far, uh, you've got a new area of work, of responsibility. Um to be honest, I never imagined you working in this. Uh, we used to work together in the local church a, a few years ago, but we'll get into what you're doing in just a few moments, but want to welcome you to the program today. We just want to get a little bit of a backstory about your life and, and where you grew up and how, um, where were you born and, and where were you brought up?
6: Sure. Well, I was born in the island of Mauritius. Now I'm not too sure if your listeners know where the island of Mauritius is. It's a tiny little island in the middle of the Indian Ocean and, um, I was born there in uh, 1958, so that gives away my age, and I was raised there until I was around uh, nine years old, and then when we migrated to Australia, and I've been in Australia ever since. Do you remember and, Mauritius? You know, Do you remember? Uh, yes, a little bit, not not that much. Um, it's a beautiful place um, for um, for a tropical islands. If you ever want to go somewhere for a nice holiday, white sandy beaches, clear water, uh, and beautiful food. Beautiful people, mm. so it's, it's a great place to go. Have place. you ever
1: been back since you immigrated to Australia as a boy? Uh,
6: yes, been back a few times, both um, uh, personally and uh, in terms of taking my family. I wanted to show them where, where I was born. We've been back a couple of times. We ran a mission trip there a few years ago. Uh, and then also I have done some work there with the, uh, with the central bank as well in my previous employer.
1: Just interesting because you, you grew up in Australia from nine years of age, so you you look Australian, you sound Australian. Um, you've even got the Aussie accent. When you go back to Mauritius, do you, do you feel like you're at
6: home? or? Um, no, I think Australia is home now for me, but uh, as, uh, Mauritius is a nice place to visit. I've still got a few um, distant relatives who is still there, and uh, it is a nice place to visit. But uh, definitely Australia is the best place to be, and uh, that's where ah, I'm here. We love Australia, don't <laughs> yeah. we, Aunty? Hey, um,
1: Mauritius. Now I'm thinking Mauritius, I'm thinking football. Now, I'm talking real football for the Aussies out there, soccer. Are you into football? Yes, you bet.
4: <laughs>
6: <laughs> Who's your team? Oh, that, that, to disclose that is a bit of a disgrace at the moment. I think. <laughs> the, the team I follow is from the Premier League. It's Manchester United. Ah, you know, yeah. but However, they're in a state of decline and uh, it's not a very pleasant subject to talk about these days.
1: Actually, I follow Liverpool, so I think it's a really good subject to talk about it. <laughs> I thought
6: I'm you happy. would say that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Manchester United, uh, yeah, no, they haven't been going too well. What about Australia? Do you follow football in Australia or not really?
6: Uh, not really. Um, yeah, no, I used to, I guess, as a young younger man, but uh, these days it's more the sort of the uh, the, the true football. I enjoy the um, the different European championships and the World Cup coming up next year. Yeah. No, I enjoyed that part. Actually, yeah. a look at the World Cup,
1: it's it's you could believe in a modern-day miracle seeing Australia there because I don't think too many of us thought they were going to make it.
6: No. It was a very close call and a very long road to get there, but I'm yes. glad that they're there. I'll be cheering for them when they when they get there. Yeah, let's hope it's not too short
1: a stay, although I suspect it might be. <laughs> well, um, they'll get at least three games, at yeah.
6: least the, the three rounds.
1: <laughs> they will, and I think we're in the pool of death too, so I don't know
2: how that's going to go. Hey, hey, what's the name? Is the Mauritius uh, football team? Are they the dodos.
6: Um, no, well, the dodo is the uh, the bird that's native to, to Mauritius. Oh, okay, okay. Is Mauritius any good at football? Um, well, I guess it's relative. Um, we, think we're, we think we're good, but when it comes to qualifying for various uh, competitions, we're in the African area. Uh, we struggle because we've a very small population, less than a million people. Wow. That African London. Football
1: League would be pretty hard to get in because there's some brilliant teams there. Yes, there are. Yeah, but right. Like, Just for interest's sake, like Australia versus Mauritius, would that be a fairly close match?
6: Um, I don't think so. I mean, Australia, Australia has a professional league and you yeah. have got a lot more population to call upon. Uh, in Mauritius, the facilities are very limited, very um, uh, behind. And there is no real professional league or anything like that. Plus, well, so. Australia's
2: got quite the draw card if it comes to a, a a ball kicking final, where we have to, you know, end the series with goal shooting. We've got a secret weapon there, haven't we, Colin?
4: You talking yes, about yes. that
2: goalkeeper? The dancy goalkeeper, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: actually, I, Very unusual technique. I thought that was illegal. Actually, what he was doing, I always thought the goalkeeper had to stay still.
6: No, no, the the rule is as long as he stays behind his line, he's able to do whatever he wants behind the
1: line. You know what? Uh, A few years ago when I was at Warunga, that was the church Colin and I work with. Um, I I went through a crisis in life and I had to have a break um, for two or three months. I don't know whether you remember, Colin, I I never came to church for three months uh, because of this crisis in my life. And I used to, on Sabbath morning, Saturday morning, when we normally go to church, I used to go walking around the parks You know, for a walk And it surprised me When I went for these walks In Caliville where I live Thousands and thousands of kids They're not playing AFL They're not playing rugby league They're playing football I'm talking about soccer Nice And so somewhere in Australia All the kids are playing soccer But it's
2: kind of not being carried through Into the senior ranks I had my kids in soccer My boys in soccer Mm. Actually my girls too Because it's a great sport And it's low contact
1: You remember Colin We used to have that soccer league For our kids
6: Yeah, the Adventist Soccer League. It was uh, great, fantastic days where we ran a a Sunday morning league for any children that wanted to come and play. I think we did that because our kids couldn't
1: go Saturday morning because they are at church.
6: Correct. Do they still do
1: that Adventist Soccer League or did
6: it? Um, No, it it, it sort of um, petered away about four or five years ago. The main reason is now there are a lot of options for sport on Sundays as well, so there's not such a great need for... Um, providing alternatives for Sabbath school.
1: I think back then we would have three or 400 people at those soccer mornings. Was,
6: was that, or have I
1: exaggerated
6: those numbers as pastors well, do? Yeah, no, well, they were there on the special gala days that we had. Okay. We had all the, um, around that sort of number. Um, but we had, the, yeah, probably 50, 60 Oh, you know, 50, 60 good to, good to good three,
1: 400. Up. That's good, Lloyd. <laughs> 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 I remember, you remember you guys used to play soccer, you and Albin and some others? Do you remember that? The kids would be playing and you guys would go over to that far field. I, yeah. I decided I'd go and play with them just for one day. Now, but, you, I, but, but you're a rugby player. No, I can't play soccer for that. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't have them. But I went into the goal and I... Broke my finger on the one game I had with these oh dear, guys. Oh
6: <laughs> but and he still carries that. And he's still remembering that. Oh, that was just, When the goalkeeper's in goals, you don't put your fingers forward. You go the other way. <laughs> I
1: didn't know that. I'll tell you what, though. I watch the Premier League, and I'm a Liverpool fan. And you watch some of those goalkeepers in the Premier League. They are sensational, mm. What, mm. what they're doing. And it, they really are. But anyway, we better get back to our, our, our interview here. Um, did you grow up a Christian? I mean, you come from Mauritius. I think Mauritius is a Christian country. Did you grow up a Christian?
6: Well, I grew up in a uh, in a Christian family. We both, my mum and dad, um, as Adventists. My dad wasn't born an Adventist, and so he brought himself in, into the church in his early teens. And um, so we grew up um, in an Adventist family. Uh, my mum and her her mum was one of the first Adventists on the island of Mauritius. Oh. He was converted when a French evangelist came over and ran a series uh, there and she gave her heart to Jesus. And so that was um, the start of the Adventist church in Mauritius around that time.
1: When you say your dad read read his way into the faith, did he just read the Bible and look at the Adventist doctrine and go, oh, and end up
4: there?
6: Yeah, he he had an interest in in biblical aspects and in in, uh, prophecy. And so he studied, he was um, reading and and he uh, found these in, of interest, and he um, then found the Adventist church, and he brought himself to that, and he was um, given some studies, and he made a decision just before he was married.
1: Now, uh, I'm just um, thinking, being brought up in Mauritius, being brought up as a Christian, you would speak more than just English, is that correct?
6: Yeah, I, I do speak um, uh, a little bit of French. When I say a little bit, it's a bit rusty. You know what that means, auntie?
2: I did know a bit of French, but I didn't catch that one. A petit peu, a little bit. A little bit, a little yes. Bit. Petite, little, yes, got it. Yeah, yeah, okay.
6: Yeah. And I also speak uh, Creole, which is the Mauritian language, which is a, a local dialect, okay. and a mixture of French and English and Chinese and Indian, and it's a real, real mixture. Do, do your
1: kids speak that language too, or lost on them?
6: Uh, unfortunately, it's lost on them. Yeah. Um, we never got the chance to practice that, but they do have a reasonable understanding of French. Okay. So we have um, all of them went through high school with uh, doing French, and uh, it's quite a, a lovely language to speak in. Just okay.
1: for interest' sake, so you've got Mauritius. It's a French. I know I'm wandering here, but I'm interested. Mauritius, is a French-speaking country. If France was to play England in soccer, football, <laughs> who are you going for?
4: No, I still go for Australia. <laughs>
1: what about England, France? You don't want to answer that, huh? Not really. Okay.
6: <laughs>
1: now, look, you might have been brought up in a Christian family, that's fine, but how did you meet Jesus?
6: Well, I, I personally met Jesus, actually, when we came to, to Australia and um, we started attending Stanmore Church, okay. um, which is a church near the centre of the city here in Sydney. Yep. And um, and my mum and dad um, were obviously practicing Christians, and my grandmother uh, was also with us, and and she was one who always shared her faith. And uh, I remember every morning that she'd be reading her Bible, and she would be uh, sharing that with us. And it was just the impression and the um, the the witness that they were to me that really sort of um, really wanted wanted me to make me want to follow Jesus, and so. It was at one particular meeting that we had in, uh, at Ride Ryde Civic Centre. I don't know if you remember the old SALT days. They had um, the youth meetings. you remember uh, that? The uh, SALT at yes. Ryde Civic Centre.
2: Yes. And Taking the days of um, Warren Judd and Trafford Fisher.
6: Yes, yeah, those guys. And there was an appeal made that day, and I gave my heart to Jesus there, and I remember uh, walking towards the front, and, um, and Bruce Judd was actually there, and he... Uh, yep approached me, and he said, can I pray with you? And he prayed this most beautiful prayer, and uh, I gave my heart to Jesus that day. How old and, were you? Uh, wow. Uh, about 13. I was tagging along because my two older brothers were attending. I probably shouldn't have been there I was so young, but um, it was a yeah, it was quite a, a good memory for me. So I'm interested
1: in this. From 13 to your age now, I'm not going to say how old you are, but you are slightly older than me. Yes. yes. <laughs> Funny that because I was thinking this morning, how old is this guy? And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking I'm older. I look older than you. I was going to say, you can't go on looks. <laughs> I've been a pastor for 32 <laughs> years. It's aging me. <laughs> um, how have you kept that relationship with Jesus intimate for so many years? Because you gave your heart to Jesus when you're 13. There would have been a lot of other people doing it similar time to you, many of them have wandered away. You know, our friends, we all look back on our youth. A lot of our friends no longer with Jesus. What was the secret to you through the ups and downs of life, the good times and the bad times? How did you stay intimate with Jesus?
6: Yeah, well, um, I can only share my own personal experience, but uh, I I believe that our, our Christian faith has to be a very active one. So for me, uh, I've always wanted to to be involved and to be able to to share and to be able to witness and to be able to contribute to God's uh, to God's church. So I've always sort of remained active, even in the uh, in my early years. I was involved very much in our youth uh, youth meetings, yep. um, leading out, and throughout my life, I've served in many positions as treasurer and elders and Pathfinder leader and a Sabbath School teacher and cook and chef and whatever it happens to be and, and I think for me what's uh, kept me close to Jesus and it's in that service element yeah and I've always um, wanted to, uh, to to keep doing that and praise the Lord that He's enabled me to, to, to continue to do so uh, but I think it's, it's it's a refreshing aspect that you have to renew that, for, that relationship every day yeah so it's, it's just one that you spend time in prayer and, and spend time with Christ and and then looking for the opportunities to, to actually share him as much as you can.
1: Interesting you say yeah. that because in the years I've known you, and I don't say this to pat you on the back, it's just a fact. Um, when we were at Warunga and I was at Warunga for uh, 13 or 14 years, can't remember. Yep. Uh, 14, 14? 14? I, I can't remember. It was a long, long time. I think, I'm not sure, when did you come to Warunga Church? Would have been 2000 and, was um. it before I got there or just a bit after? It was just after, um, I think. I think the whole time I was there, you were, and your family actually, you were serving the Lord at some capacity or another and you actually were our head elder at Warunga for some time while I was there. You know what I remember? You are always very truthful. You would Mm. share the good and the bad. You would do it gently, um, but you would do it openly and I always liked that about you. And uh, Mm. you're one of the better head elders I I had in my ministry and I mean that and I think that comes about by, by as you said, being in that intimate walk with Jesus day by day and the Holy Spirit inside of you leading and guiding you to make decisions that, that are uh, benefit and bless the church. And that only comes from having that relationship. But it's interesting to me that you said share because if you, you can have the Bible study and the prayer, but if you don't share, you kind of go stagnant, don't you?
6: Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, you do, you do. It's very important to to be very active in our faith. Yeah. Um, if we if we have it and then we don't share it, it really, literally dies.
1: Yeah, yeah. And oh, so
6: we, it's it's part of the growing process. It's it's a it's a growing process. You can't say, "I know I know God at the age of 13 and that's all I know, I know about him. Yeah,
4: you know,
6: it's, it's, it's a relationship that grows, similarly to to a marriage, you know, relationship. Yeah, um, we've been married now thirty-five years. And uh, and still still growing and learning about uh, my wife, <laughs> and uh, we we're very blessed uh, to to have her as my wife.
1: So you're married. Uh, you have family. Have children?
6: Uh, yes, I'm um, married to Bronwyn, um, and uh, we have three children. We have twins, uh, Wes and Heidi. Who I shouldn't say children anymore. These are adults. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, they're 29 yeah,
4: <laughs> currently. Yeah.
6: Um, and uh, we have uh, Joel, who's uh, 27.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you have two boys and one girl. She's in the middle,
6: uh, surrounded by boys. <laughs> well, the first two actually twins, so Wesley yeah. and Carla are twins. Oh, who, who was yeah. born
1: first between Wes and Carla?
6: Uh, by one minute, Wesley was
1: born first. I thought so. <laughs> I thought
6: so. Um, so he's happy to be known as the elder older child. <laughs> yeah.
1: Eldest. In some capacity or another, uh, you've worked in finance. I don't know whether that's the right way to say it, most of you like. Look, just right now, what do you do for a job?
6: Well, at the moment, uh, currently, I'm the uh, Chief Financial Officer for the Greater Sydney Conference of the Seven Adventist Churches, um, which it's quite a mouthful, but basically, simply, we, uh, I look after the finances um, for the uh, companies of the Greater Sydney Conference. And when I say that, we look after the church company, um, the properties that we have, the aged care facility and the schools company as well. So we should be looking after those four companies.
1: Just so our listeners know, the Greater Sydney Conference of Churches that's a group of churches in the Sydney area that combined have representing them and serving them what we call a conference. Would that be correct? Is
6: that how you'd say that? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, we have a group of churches around uh, 105 churches and companies. How many members? Have, uh, around just under, just over ten thousand.
1: Wow. So, so you've got 10,000 members in Sydney and 100-plus churches. You also run schools, Christian Correct. schools. How, how many yes. Do you know offhand how many schools?
6: We have six schools, uh, two primary and four uh, primary to, to high schools. Uh, we just have over about 3,000 students wow. attending those schools uh, across Greater Sydney.
1: They're good schools, too. Uh, mm. Yes, my, we my kids so. went through them. And then we have a, what would you call it, retirement. An uh, aged care. Aged care, yep.
6: Yep, yeah, the aged care company who we have three facilities uh, across uh, Greater Sydney, one in Morunga, one at King Slangley and the other at Hornsby. Yeah, my wife <laughs> actually
1: works for one of them. So hmm. we could say she's an employee of the Greater Sydney Conference. Um, <laughs> Correct. Uh, that'd be a busy job, I would imagine.
6: Uh, yes, it's more than a nine-to-five job, put it that way.
1: You've uh, got staff working for you you'd have to have, wouldn't you?
6: Yes, we've got, a, we've got our finance teams uh, for each of these entities, um, as well as we've got business managers and finance managers at each of the schools as well.
1: Okay. Now, how long have you been doing that?
6: I joined um, last year, February 21. So it's about almost 18 months coming up to now.
1: Another year or two
6: and we'll start to
1: see the wrinkles. He'll be aging too. <laughs> yeah. no, um, not the least for you living in very challenging times financially. You had a really interesting job before this, though. You were working for the, was it, for, no, I better be careful, was it the World Bank or?
6: Yeah, I was working for one of the subsidiaries of the World Bank. It's called the International Finance Corporation, the IFC. Yep. And um, they basically work with the uh, private sector in the different countries to uh, alleviate poverty. I mean, that's 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 the mission of, of of the entity. And I worked with them for just over thirteen years. I was responsible for the Asian region.
1: Was there, so there a lot of travel involved in that?
6: Significant travel, uh, probably sixty to seventy percent of my time. I was either on a plane or or overseas somewhere. Did you um, enjoy? It? Which Um, Yes and no, it was uh, a very interesting and challenging job but it was also difficult um, in terms of family, in terms of being back home and being able to um, contribute and participate in that life back here in Australia
1: In in a sense you were playing your part in helping people out of poverty into a a, a lifestyle where at least they could survive in some sort of manner that is reasonable, is that right? Yes, yes, that's right. I mean,
6: we the, the area that I was really working in was uh, in terms of um, introducing credit into these economies so that um, we could reach the poor and provide a, a means for them to create employment, create wealth, and then to be able to uh, be self-supporting. So just to give you an example, I mean, we worked in countries that mostly and exclusively very poor countries such as India and Bangladesh and Nepal, Um Philippines, where, um, you know, we would provide facilities for them to be able to get a very small loan to get started, for instance, a very small loan, maybe around $50 worth. Yeah. And that would enable them to then purchase some, um, some facility to start a small business, such as a goat or a chicken or a sewing machine or something of that nature that they could then um, create something and be able to sell and earn some income. Yeah. And over that period of time, usually a loan would provide to them for three or six months, they would then be able to pay that back from the earnings that they make. And as they're do- doing that successfully, we would then um, provide them with more finance next time. And we had to work with the various governments to actually put the procedures in place and the laws and legislation in place to enable that to happen. So that was part of uh, part of my role, to meet with the, um, with the politicians, with the policy setters, with the central banks, uh, to enable them to um, introduce these schemes into their countries.
1: Actually, it's it's quite sobering, isn't it, to see now what's going on in Bangladesh as they're facing mm. great crisis um, and it makes you realise how blessed and fortunate we are. To, you know, you're know, you talking about giving them loans of $50 to buy a chicken mm. or, a, or, or start a, a crop or something. Small it's, business. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable really when you look at our life and then you look at the struggles that they have.
6: Yeah yeah well the the, uh, the main difference here in Australia we have a, a welfare uh, society as well that we provide for But in these countries unless you have any means yourself um, there's no other no other help did you see so when you when you look at the great need um it's just overwhelming
4: yeah
6: uh, and um, but however uh, if you can even help the one person yeah. to uh, to come out of that it's it's quite uh, it's quite um, fulfilling and an achievement for them
1: I suppose in your travels to these countries you would have seen incredible poverty
6: it certainly was um it's quite um uh startling when you first meet and i just give you an example i I took my family uh, after being working there for about a year we went we decided um, we saw a need and we wanted to go back and help and so i took my family there and our children were only in primary school the youngest and um and so when we went there, we landed in India and and we walked around. And my, my son was just flabbergasted and he saw all these people sleeping on the sidewalk, yeah. and they didn't have anywhere to go. And he said, "Oh, Dad, but where where do they go at night? Do they go back home?" And I said, to him, "No, no, they actually that's where they actually stay, and they sleep under the bridge or on the side of the road." And he was just taken aback, and I think that's impacted all of us. Yeah. And uh, ever since then, we've we've sort of done whatever we can in various means to try and help.
1: Yeah. Well, that might be why you now do some volunteer work for a, a group called Asian Aid. Can you tell yes, us indeed. about that?
6: Yeah, no, Asian Aid is an organisation that's a not-for-profit um, and we're a supporting ministry of the Seventh Adventist Church where we uh, provide really um, education support for children in, uh, in mainly three countries, in India, Bangladesh and Nepal. And uh, we're a child-focused organisation and so we, we sponsor, we have our, our various sponsors who uh, sponsor children. We sponsor about 3,500 children across those three countries um, and uh, to provide education to those who would never be able to afford it. Uh, and alongside that, we then work with their with their families to provide means for their employment uh, and then with the communities around them as well. So we have various programs that are in place to help with the various schools as well.
1: How, how big is Asian aid? Your likes. How big is Asian Aid? How many people would you have on the ground?
6: Well, uh, in Australia here, we're based in Australia as our, as our head office. Um, we do the fundraising and the administration of the funds, everything else here, but we work through six partners in those different countries. Here in Australia, we have about uh, a dozen staff. We're okay. based at uh, Warhope, yep. uh, and uh, we've got a very good team, and um, it's an organisation that's been uh, going. We celebrated 55 years last year. So we're a sustainable organisation. We've been uh, doing this sort of work for, for many years. And we work, as I said, with six different partners in uh, in India, Bangladesh and Nepal. Uh, and there they have um, different uh, size organisations. It depends what the projects that we're doing. Sometimes we do water projects um, and some other places we do um, uh, medical care for, 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 for women, for instance, in Nepal, and then some uh, food funds also that we provide Uh, especially since the pandemic where um, our children have been unable to attend school and their families are unable to actually um, uh, work. And so we've we've set up some extra funds to be able to help them as well. So it's really a sort of holistic approach that we take.
1: Would it be fair to say that most of the funds that Asian Aid raises go to the projects and to the people themselves who are in need? Uh, now, I ask that question because a lot of people ask me that question when it comes to – we have another organization in the ch- church called ADRA, which is similar to Asian Aid. And we had someone from ADRA on the other day, mm-hmm. and I asked mm-hmm. them the same question. Does the great – because people in the secular world ask this. Do the, do the great majority of the funds that go to Asian Aid actually go to the children on the ground?
6: Sure. Well, all of us, I mean, as far of the directors, we're all yep. volunteers. None of us uh, are paid. We contribute our time and our expertise. The only uh, cost that we have is really of our team that are dedicated full time yep. to the fundraising, to the program costs, and the administration of those funds. So those are the only uh, funds that we that we need to, to be able to run the organisation. But the majority of the funds by far go directly uh, to those children uh, through those partner agencies that we have in those countries. So it's very lean when it comes to and we, we try and uh, monitor and we do monitor those on a, on, a, on a regular basis to try and see how we can re- keep those costs down as far as possible so that the majority of the funds are passed directly. Yes.
1: Now if I wanted to know more about Asian aid, where would I go?
6: Well, there's a couple of options. you can either if you're on the net, it's easy enough. you just go to Asian Aid. Asian, A-S-I-A-N-A-I-D, dorgau So we've got our website, and you'll be able to see there um, how you can help with the various sponsorships of children, both boys and girls, across the various countries, and also the different programs that we're running. We have a variety of programs that address, as I said, medical help, uh, water. Uh, We have specialist schools for the blind and for the deaf, Um, and any of these projects that that are there. And if you have a particular uh, interest, We'll be more than happy to 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 um, for you to support us. Well, you can give us a call on our phone number as well. We have got a phone uh, that's that's operated. I'll give you the number now if you if you want it. Yep. It's a Sydney, Sydney number zero two six five eight six four two five zero. 4250
1: If I was to donate, tax deductible.
6: It is. Uh, all of donations are tax-deductible. We are a registered uh, charity here in Australia with the ACNC and uh, all those donations are tax-deductible, anything over $2. Yeah.
1: And am I able to go online and um, sponsor a child?
6: Is that possible? Yes. yes, you can. You can either sponsor a child directly and that will provide the educational needs for that child for their fees or their clothes, for their food, for them to be able to attend the school and uh, either do that or you can also sponsor specific programs uh, that actually run as well, and all of that is tax deductible.
1: If a family sponsors a child, are they able to communicate with that child through the years and uh, or is it just how does that work?
6: (coughs) Excuse me. No, definitely. Um, We we do provide – we have to be very much aware of child safety requirements as well. Yeah. So the um, the communication is done through through us as yep. as the administration, and they will communicate with you as a donor on a twice a year or three times a year through through some correspondence, and we encourage the sponsor to also do that through the means of a letter writing or a card, yep. uh, and that is then passed on. And so we monitor that very closely because we've got responsibilities to yeah, make sure that the children are safe. So sponsoring uh, that child,
1: can you sponsor that child all the way through the university? Is that how it works? Or
6: uh, You can. Through, through Asian Aid, we, we take them right through to high school. Yes. Um, but, uh, but I'll give you an example. Myself, I've sponsored many children over the years, and, yep. and a number of those, after I've, I've sponsored them through the schooling system, and when some have wanted to go, for instance, uh, we have a very close um, uh, sponsored child that we've followed, through many years. He did some study at uh, Spicer College for theology uh, and he's now a chaplain at one of the Seventh Adventist schools and so we sponsored him through the university course there as well. And a number of our sponsors do do that because once you get attached and once you've seen what these children are able to do and what potential they're able to realise, you want to be able to assist even further because most of them come from very, very poor families who would not be able to have this help otherwise.
1: Probably a silly question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is it rewarding to sponsor a child through like that?
6: Um, it certainly, certainly is. I mean, from personal experience, I, I was uh, privileged enough to be able to uh, meet my sponsored child. And, uh, and I went to India on one of our trips there for work. I went and, and, and actually saw him after I arranged with the principal that I was able to visit. And that was uh, a very emotional reunion. (laughs) After a couple of years of sponsoring, we met to know him and there was two I was sponsoring and we've kept in touch with him via WhatsApp and Facebook and I was uh, able to go back for his graduation and then he invited me back for his wedding. And uh, and there was just such a a personal um, highlight of my life to be able to see how, and he's been so grateful Uh, that he was able to do that. And he now devotes himself to providing the same sort of assistance to others uh, in those situations. And it's just so rewarding that uh, the Lord has enabled that to happen.
1: In some ways, you'll be another grandfather. Colin, <laughs> um, yeah,
5: guess, uh, it's a
1: beautiful thing, it is a beautiful thing, but if you don't want to sponsor a child, of course, and uh, our time's almost up, Hunty, but I've I got to say this, there are projects at Asian Aid, and you've mentioned that, that you can get involved with, which also are very, very rewarding, and are making a huge difference to the people who uh, these projects serve.
6: Certainly are. I mean, we've got projects, for instance, where we provide uh, sustainable water and food sources at one of uh, a couple of our uh, schools in India. And so that enables them to improve their irrigation across the school uh, and the crop production that they do for the community. So we're not just helping the child as, as a child, but we're also trying to work with the community as a whole. So we do that in a couple of the village schools that we're at, uh, in other places, we run a medical care program for women, health clinics that we run in remote Nepal. So, where these women um, are not are unable to, one is they can't afford it, and two is they cannot get to a, a to the uh, capital, uh, Kathmandu. And so, we go to them with medical staff, and we do these tests and um, and we provide assistance in those remote areas to them. So, yeah, these are just two examples. We have multiple yeah. programs that we do like that.
1: Fabulous, and you're the chair of the board that runs Asian
6: Aid, correct? Uh, Yeah, I humbly serve as as, as the chair. We have a we have a board which is very um, uh, across different ages and across different disciplines, and we meet on a regular basis uh, six to eight times every year. And we've got our AGM coming up next month. Yep, Uh, we'll be um, reviewing the election of officers as well.
1: Well, it's a fabulous uh, service to the world community one more time if you want to go and you want to check asian aid out and see whether you might not want to join the team uh in some way or another and by that i mean uh providing sponsorship to their different projects or their children where do
6: we go one more time colin yeah come to our website at uh, asianaid.org.au or if you can not get on the internet give us a call uh, as well on um let me just put up the number i don't know off the top of my head well, I should. Sounds it's like hunting. <laughs> yep. O two six five eight six four two five oh.
1: Fabulous. Really enjoyed talking to you today, Colin. Um, God bless with Asian Aid. God bless with your work for the Sydney Church and maybe sometime later we'll we'll get you online again and we'll see whether we can catch up and see how things are going. Thanks, Colin. Well, it's been lovely
6: it's been lovely catching up with you, Lloyd. Haven't yeah. caught up with you for a for a while and yeah. uh, and all the best with your um, with your program that you're doing on Faith FM. Yeah, thank you. So an opportunity that's uh, that's really a fantastic one that you're using. Yeah,
1: thank you, and God bless you, brother. Take care. All the best. Thanks. Thank you.
6: You're listening
0: to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM.
2: Well, this, this time is well and truly up. we <laughs> got to run. I cannot believe how I've blown the... I've been waving like a crazy man at you for this, ten minutes. This is the worst ever. All <laughs> no, right, no, right. But I'll
1: tell you what, we loved having you today. My name's Lloyd Grollem And
2: my name's Hunty, and we love oh, you. Hey, you
1: didn't even let me get the Aussie pastor out. True. My name's Lloyd Grollem and I'm the Aussie pastor.
2: And my name's Hunty, and I'm the tech. And we both love you, but you know what? God loves you so much. So much, much more. more. See you, See you next, next time. time.
0: Thanks for joining the Aussie Pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, or ways to support us, go to findjesus.tv.